Welcome to this episode of the Tax Chick Podcast. I have a really fun guest with me today. And Lisa is an accountant who I met through LinkedIn a number of months ago, and she works out of Chicago. She's been doing taxes for over 25 years, and she's had her own practice for the last 18 years. She focuses on individual and small business taxes for U.S. taxpayers. She is very upfront. She is judgment-free. She is warm. She loves talking about tax. And she brings a real sense of fun and accessibility to discussions about taxes. She told me that her favorite part of the work that she does is having the opportunity to educate people about taxes. In her opinion, we're interacting with taxes every single day, and yet we really aren't taught much about the tax systems. This can be really stressful for individuals or for business owners. So this past year, Lisa started an education site called Taking on Taxes Together. And she is sort of has a bit of a mission to teach you just enough to be a smart taxpayer and to make informed decisions. Lisa and I are chatting about a few topics today. And, and one of those topics is what should you really know when you're filing your taxes each year? And regardless of whether you're in Canada or you're in the U.S. or you're in a different country, there are some basic things that you as a taxpayer should know and should be asking your advisor about. We're also going to talk a bit about new entrepreneurs and what you might want to keep in mind in terms of cash flow and tax planning when you're starting a business. And then finally, Lisa started a bit of a new passion project where she's trying to help lawyers who are going to be entering into partnership. And she's trying to help prepare them a little bit in terms of the changes to their cash flow and the changes to their tax filing position. And so we talk a little bit about some of the things that you need to keep in mind if you're entering into that stage of your life. Uh, Lisa is a fellow tax chick, and we had so much fun on this conversation. I have a feeling she's going to be a repeat guest on the podcast, and I'm really excited to share our conversation with you. So without further ado, on to this episode. Well, welcome, Lisa. I'm so excited to have you here today, my fellow tax chick. Thank you. I'm ready to geek out on taxes with you. Well, as I told you, I always ask all of my guests the same two questions to start off. And I've learned a lot about people from the answers to these questions. So I decided to keep going with it. So I'm very excited to hear what you're going to say, because you always have such interesting things on the go. So our, our first question is, what is the last podcast you listen to or your favorite podcast? So one of the things about me is I love reading biographies and autobiographies because I just love hearing people's stories. And so one podcast I love is Ben Fanning's CEO Sessions, where he, I don't know how he's connected, but he has discussions with all these CEOs of companies. And it's fascinating to hear their journeys, where they came from, you know, challenges they've overcome. There's just so much packed into every episode. I've told Ben, I'm like, you got to cut it down. There's just so much great information all those. So I highly recommend it. I have not listened to that one yet. I'm going to have to check that one out. I feel like my podcast repertoire has gotten so much bigger because every time I hear somebody else's idea, I'm like, I got to go check that one out. And uh, so I'll definitely yeah. check that. I one. really, great. really have okay. enjoyed all the episodes. They're just chock full of information. I take notes and I'm like, oh, I can make LinkedIn posts sure. about them, what they share. Well, sure. And I'm sure everybody's journey is different, which is what's so interesting. Okay. I'm marking that one down. We'll put that in the show notes too. And then the other question is, if you're going to text someone, what is the emoji you would use most often when texting? So personal texts, 
not business class. Okay. <laughs> so my mother is of the generation where you need to be done to go out, right? So we okay. text okay. to each other the lipstick emoji because oh. my mother always said, you know, put on lipstick, you'll feel better. So if you're having like a crummy day, like if you put on yeah. lipstick, somehow you just feel better. So my friends are like, oh, I'm having a crummy day. I'm like lipstick, 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 lipstick. Like it's yeah. a job. <laughs> but it works. I love that. I love that. That is so great. My my mother always likes to discover new emojis too. And, and so once the pandemic started, she ends all her texts now with the little happy face that has the mask on it and then the little vaccine. And then she puts a heart and then sometimes she puts a roll of toilet paper and she puts those in like a group of four at the end of every text. Oh my God. I'm not that big of an emoji person. Uh, Honestly, the one I use the most is just the smiley face or the thumbs up. Like sure. with my kids, I'll do sure. the thumbs up. Yes. But my girlfriends and I, exactly. it's, it's that and the wine glass. Those are the two we text. Well, I'm excited to have our chat today because you and I have had quite a few conversations about tax um, over the last nine or 10 months that we've known each other. And of course, you're a tax accountant. I'm a tax lawyer. So we're coming at this from slightly different perspectives. And you practice in the US and I practice in Canada. But yet we're friends which is great. Uh, we've learned so much, I think, from each other over the last little bit. And so we thought today that we would we would have sort of a discussion about some big picture tax topics, but not in the traditional sense that we usually think about tax. And so we wanted to start by talking a bit about tax returns and not how to file a tax return, but what you should be doing when you're filing your tax returns and, and kind of some of the tips and tricks there. And then we also thought we'd talk a bit about new entrepreneurs and some tax concerns or tax issues that new entrepreneurs need to think about in both the U.S. and in Canada. And then finally, um, you brought up a really cool topic that I think is applicable across the borders. And this is the idea of, okay, you're a lawyer, you're getting ready to make partner. Things are going to change in terms of your cash flow and in terms of your tax situation. How do you prepare for that? And what does that look like? And and these are things that we're seeing often in our practice. And so I think today we'll try to switch back and forth in terms of the accountant and the lawyer perspective and the U.S. and Canada perspective and hopefully give people some insight into some of these big issues. So shall we shall we jump into topic Let's one? jump. All right. We're jumping into topic one. So topic one, you've been doing some really great LinkedIn posts over the last little bit. And for the listeners who are listening to this, please make sure you follow Lisa on LinkedIn. I'll put her info in the show notes. But you've been doing some awesome LinkedIn posts on tax returns and things to watch out for. So I'm just going to pass it over to you um, and let you kind of talk about this topic. So, you know, my big thing with taxes is I like the education side of it. I mean, nobody likes tax season. I mean, you and I included. Nobody, nobody likes tax season. What we like is the planning and education about it. And for me, the education is because I don't know about in Canada, but like we're not taught anything about taxes and we interact with taxes every single solitary day. So they're stressful and scary Mm -hmm. because we don't know about them. So um, I wanted, I've been doing this series of like things to look at on your tax return. So instead of just signing off and throwing it in the, in the file cabinet for another year, like take time to look at it and, and see where there's opportunities for you. Because I think most people don't even know like what half of it means. They just take their account word for it. I'm mm-hmm. like, you need to be an active participant in all aspects of your life, your taxes especially, because 
it's a big chunk of what your expenses are. Like it's huge. So the first mm -hmm. post that I did actually um, was like what to look for on your W-2 even, which is our income statement of like, you know, how okay. much did you put into your retirement account? Is it near the, the max? If not, like, does it make sense to put more into that? Um, there's a fabulous account here in the U.S. called a health savings account, which is seriously the best vehicle out there because you put money in pre-tax, it grows tax-free. And when you take it out, uh, it grows tax-deferred when you take it out, it's tax-free. There's not another one that's like completely, you know, pre-tax coming in and tax-free coming out. And the wow. new thought is that you don't, so it's like a flex spending account for your out-of-pocket medical, but- okay. We realize that unlike okay. the typical flex spending accounts that we have here, that's a use it or lose it, that HSA is not a use it or lose it. It's your account. So it can be used as a retirement saving account for medical expenses because we're all going to have medical expenses. So now mm -hmm. I've been looking at people's returns and saying, hey, did you max out on it? Because you absolutely should. It's almost more valuable than your retirement or your for you know savings. And two, if you're there's a form that shows distributions um, in the tax return. Maybe depending on your cash flow, if you have other cash, leave the money in there. You know what I mean? It's just another way to sock away seven thousand dollars a year, and it's your account. So it's you know when you leave that employer, you could take it with you. But also uh, to remember that you okay. have to go in just like your four hundred one k retirement and choose the investment options. So leaving in cash isn't going to. I mean, it's not bad, but like you can invest it. So like if you're young, you have thirty years, that could grow to a lot. Where I really feel like they're going to catch on to this because it's way too good. <laughs> I'm like, this is way too good. Because my husband and I are like, why are we taking the money out every year? Like, we have seven thousand other dollars to spend. Like, just right, dump it in. Right. I mean, seven thousand dollars a year—that's a lot of money over your life. Now you have to have um, a high deductible Absolutely. insurance plan, so not everyone's eligible. But if you are eligible, but there's a code on the W two that tells you, you know, if you did it. So if if people are doing that, then I can go in and look at other things in there. So, so you've raised some interesting points because I mean, there's, there's some differences in the way that we follow returns in Canada versus the U S. So um, we have a T one return, which is our individual return. Um, and we have a concept called a TFSA as you, as you're aware of, but it doesn't have the pre-tax going in like your health spending account does. Um, but otherwise it's, it's pretty much the same, but we've got similar types of vehicles. And so when, when people are kind of preparing themselves to file their tax returns or, or bringing stuff to H&R Block or whatever it is that they're doing, right, to, to get it done, what do you suggest to them? What should they be asking? Because I think that's very similar between our two countries is that you're right. People go, they, they dump it on someone else. They get the document back, they sign it, and then they put it in a drawer and pretend it didn't happen. So what types of questions should people be asking to be informed about what they're doing? So... First of all, I, I'm not dissing anyone, but I really encourage you to work with an accountant not a practice so that you develop a long-term relationship mm -hmm. with your accountant. One of yes. the reasons I think my practice is so successful is because it's me. It's always me. Because even in a big firm, someone different is doing your return every year. And so I've been through life with my clients. Um, so I think right. the biggest thing is to have what makes sense for me retirement-wise education saving wise, it's more like not just with your tax return, it's almost to have like a life financial planning. And I think your lawyer, your financial advisor, your accountant should all be a part of that. Because you can't just look at one piece of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
I think yes. that's where yes. I, I find there is value to having that team of of advisors to invest in that know you, that you develop those long-term relationships with because the accountant can help you understand the tax implications, which I tell people all the time, I will crunch numbers for you, but that is not the only reason you make a decision. You know, maybe it yes. costs you more taxes, but it works for you. Do you know what I mean? Or exactly. today you exactly. might pay more taxes, but over the life of the asset, you don't. Like you can't, you know, I have people that exactly. you're in the U.S. If you work for a certain number of years, you have loan forgiveness on your student loans. So they have to file married mm -hmm. filing separately to get the calculation done. And they pay more income taxes for 10 years. But the amount of loans that are forgiven way outweighs that. So seeing that right. big picture is really right. important. So I think it's not just necessarily on that tax return, but having someone that can come to you and ask you questions about, you know, or you can say, hey, here are my goals. Because if you just say, what else can I do? That's kind of a weird question. Mm -hmm. I would like people to, and my posts are kind of like, hey, I heard there's this vehicle called an HSA. Do I qualify right. for that? Hey, I heard there's a this. That's the kind of questions that I think are good for people um, to ask. Yes. And that's what I try and do in my posts. I try and do it in my classes is I don't need you to be an accountant. I don't need you to be an attorney. I need you to be smart taxpayer that is engaged in the process because it's your life. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I can't care if you don't care. You know, I, most of my clients are not that way. I want clients that are really engaged. They call me every day of the year, but like, I just think having that team that can work together and that can trigger stuff. And then you could see, Hey, you had a baby. Okay. Um, do you have an estate plan? Do you want to start education stuff? You know, I think depending on where you are in your life, did you just get married? Okay, what are the things I need to think about that changed? Right. Oh, I'm thinking of becoming, going up for partner. They don't even know the questions. They don't know the questions. Exactly. So yeah, I think exactly. the question is, what do I need to be asking? Whether you're working with an advisor, accountant, attorney, any insurance person, it's, I don't know what I don't know. Oh, exactly. And I, I find that, that a lot of people don't even really want to learn or understand the very basics of the tax system in order to understand how money is coming in, where it's going, um, and then what they're left with. And so I think your program for, for sort of teaching people on the U.S. side is fabulous. And in Canada, I've done a series of blog posts that talk about, okay, here's your T1 return. Here's yeah. how you read it. Here's, here's where the money all went. And I think it's important to have that concept, but even, even more so than that, I really like the way you've approached this as it's not that I need to come into you and say, Oh, where can I save tax here or there? It's that I can come into you and say, okay, well this year we're planning to have a baby or this year we just bought a house. Does that impact anything on my taxes? So that then we're looking at this from more of a goal oriented position. And then the big picture is if you don't feel comfortable asking your advisor, those questions, you need to get a new advisor. Well, and I think you, because you should feel the key up. thing is I don't know what I don't know either. So you have to share with, because part of what I do is we finish the tax return and I say, okay, well, what's going on this year? Because right. if, if you don't tell me, I don't always know. And in the throes of tax mm -hmm. season, I'm just trying to get it done. Yeah. You, know? you don't have time. <laughs> and, and that's what's nice is I talk to my clients all year long. So I kind of know, but even then I like, I kind of forget. I mean, I'm not, you know, whatever. So it's like, you need to be that active participant and just letting people know what's going mm -hmm. on allows them to help you. 
Exactly. No, I just had this conversation with my accountant this year during tax filing season. He gave me a call. We had a good chat, found out what was up. I had gotten married this year, so that started to impact a few things. We had a bit of a chat about those things and then was able to spit out my return from that. So I think those are really concrete suggestions um, to give to people. And I also like the idea of the team approach. I'm huge on the team approach as well. And the fact that you can't all be operating in silos because you need to know what the lawyer is doing, what the financial advisor is doing. And if everyone's going off and doing different things, there's no cohesive plan. Well, I get someone say, you know, and even first, like, like you need a board of directors, right? So like on a board of directors, there's someone dealing with legal, there's someone dealing with the the accounting, there's someone dealing with the, there's someone dealing with HR, like your personal life or whatever, you need that to help you stay kind of in check. You have all this going on, invest in these people to help you get to your goals, because what's the point of working so hard to, to not get on the path you want? Oh, gosh, no. And it's so much more fun to be an active participant in all aspects of your life rather than letting someone just well, do it for you. Um, and one not of the really greatest know. things I've just been so like energized by the enthusiasm on LinkedIn to my tax posts. Uh, because people mm. like if I chunk it out in small bits, people are like, oh, wow, like they're very open to learn. It just has to be presented in a way. I tell people, I, I translate from t- taxis to English. It's true. It's true. It has to become more accessible. Right. It has to be fun. fun. And it has to feel like it's a manageable chunk. And I mean, you and I always find it fun, but we have to get we have to get past our little group of people to like everybody else. Well, we are making <laughs> the image of accountants and tax people much better. Oh, I agree. I think we're delightful. I, I, I <laughs> Go tax chicks. <laughs> Go tax next. Yeah. <laughs> so the then this kind of maybe ties us into our next discussion because we've talked a little bit now about sort of personal returns and, and sort of as an individual things you're going to think about. But the other big area that, that I get a lot of questions about is new entrepreneurs and whether those entrepreneurs are, are in solo practice or whether they've incorporated or created some other sort of business vehicle. They're now entering this new stage of their life um, with a whole new set of tax rules. And so are there some key things that a new entrepreneur should be keeping in mind? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I developed this class, what new entrepreneurs need to know about taxes for exactly that reason. Um, It kind of came from the pandemic because so many people had to pivot. And I'm like, I hate surprises. You know what I mean? So giving them the big picture things to get set up and running properly is key. Um, I think understanding your options for form of business is key. Um, In the U.S., understanding how self-employment taxes work and estimated taxes work is key. And then I do a section on like good record keeping and all the categories of expenses that are on the tax return. Because I tell people, if you can get your stuff set up properly into the categories that are going to be reflected on the tax return, and you can make subcategories underneath it to reflect whatever you need, it's going to be very easy if anyone ever comes asking about your tax return, this number came from here. This number came from oh, here like versus that. your accountant having to add A, B, C, whatever. Make it yes. from the beginning. <laughs> Right. So I go through, you know, what is deductible and what isn't deductible and things you think are deductible, but aren't. That's a big one. Um, But also, I think a big one for new entrepreneurs to understand, and I think it's probably similar in Canada, is the difference. Like a, a deductible item is not free. 
And I think that's a huge thing. I think of the Shit's Creek episode every single time. Yes. If you don't need it, you're still spending money. Okay. So don't buy it if you don't need it. (laughs) So people are like, oh, but it's tax deductible. It's not free. And people don't buy it. Yes. But I I think the other big thing is the psychological understanding like part of it, because when you're an employee in the US and probably in Canada, you get your paycheck Well, they've already taken everything out. So what you get, you're on the whole, you're like, okay, this is what I have to spend, right? When you're self-employed, you get the gross amount and you have to give it back. And that it's very painful for people to see it go back. Like it's really hard. I'm like, you are never getting a refund again. And people are like, what? But I always got a big refund. Yeah, no, never again. And it is hard for people. So being like, I tell people, I'm a therapist as much as an accountant. Like I'm, I, you wouldn't believe what people tell me. Well, now it's all remote. But like when people sit here, I know, I can't tell you how much I know about people's lives. Like it's, they just share, because Mm -hmm. honestly, uh, your attorney probably doesn't, but your accountant honestly knows everything about you. Like they see it all. It's all laid out there. I mean, I see your debt. I see your, you know, where you have investments, don't have investments. I see it all. And I see the divorces and I see the houses that you really can't afford. And I, you know, I see how much you paid your (laughs) nanny. And I'm thinking, do you ever see your kids? I mean, like I see it all. And so people feel, I feel very blessed because they trust me. Do you know what I mean? They truly trust me. And so it is so much of that. You got this. You're good. Like, don't listen to other people. I think, you know, it's like you're going for your goals. Block out everybody else. This, it doesn't matter what they're saying. Get information that works for you and where you want to go. So I really feel like in most careers, that therapy part of it is huge, huge. It, it is. And I find even as a tax lawyer, I end up in that role often and it's not necessarily on the financial side, but it's that something is happening in the business. There's some sort of turmoil. And so I'll get a phone call because someone's struggling with how to deal with something. And my undergrad is in psychology. And I, I joke that I often use that far more than my tax law degree because it's, it, it is very much about people's emotions. And I think from a tax perspective and from an accounting perspective, you really hit something I think that's very important that if you're going to be starting your own business, what you have to realize is that whether or not you want to start taking more control and having more knowledge over what's happening, you kind of have to, because you've now switched from this idea of somebody else is dealing with it for you. Someone else has taken it off the top and you can just go about your business to now all of a sudden you're getting the whole amount and you have to figure out what to do. And there is no way around that. That is just the reality, regardless of what business structure that you pick. And so that is the time to get in there and get educated by your advisors and to ask those questions and to not be afraid to wonder, you know, where does the money go and what do I need to look out for? And I also love this idea of almost being, I'm not going to call it audit proof, but like audit ready so that why not set yourself up so that when you're tracking your deductions, when you're tracking things, you're already doing it under the line items you need to give for your return. So if you get audited, you're ready to go. Because I'm sure in the U.S. it's like Canada that if an auditor phones you and you can just oh. whip out your proof ASAP, it, it goes just goes away. away. 
Because I've never. Yeah. But if you say I need two weeks, oh, you no. know, all of a sudden now everyone. I've never excited. had anyone audited <laughs> that I prepared by. And someone engaged me and they had two schedule C's, which are self-employed businesses, two home offices and some rentals. So those are all the things that like, you know, and this was like years ago before we had so much computerized and they wanted to sell backup. And I oh, okay. had been so well prepared. Like we had a cover sheet for every expense category with every receipt behind it. We had the, I mean, like we had the floor plan. I mean, it was. I audited the heck out of him 15 minutes in and yeah. we had calculated how much was reason. Like there wasn't any tax fraud, but there were inadvertent errors. And we right. got 15 minutes in sure. and she's like, no changes. I said in that category, she's like, we're done. She saw that the odds of having anything were there. And the other thing that's really important is if they're going to audit you, it's probably three or four or five years down the road. Well, you think yes, you remember? Yes. And, and one of the things that I always tell people, which is a great thing, when we started doing home offices, I called up the IRS back when you could actually get a hold of someone at the IRS. And I said, mm. okay, so how are you auditing this? And the thing in the US is it's got to be used regularly and exclusively for business, which is a big thing now yes. because people share space, right? Um, and so Absolutely. they said, which was great, take a picture of your office every year and throw it in with your tax documents, which is great because- even in your same house, maybe my office is now used as a guest room or a baby's room or something else. When the audit comes, how hard is it these days to take a picture and throw it in your file, right? So just if you do it, the other thing that I think is really important for new entrepreneurs to understand is uh, you can't just do this once a year at tax time and collect it. It's really critical, not for your tax (laughs) return, but for your business to keep those financials up to date so that you can make smart decisions throughout the year. It doesn't do you any good because you need to be able to see. And the value of using a software versus like an Excel spreadsheet, which works, is that you can then compare to prior years and say, okay, I spent X amount on advertising last year. Did it pay off? Okay, maybe I shouldn't. Oh, I may like it gives you information to make good decisions. Mm -hmm. And as a business person, Mm -hmm. I mean, your goal is to make money so you can stay in business. If you don't make money, it's not working. Right. So you have to stay on top of that. And even if you hire someone out to do your books, you have to know what you're looking at. Well, and I think that's a good point. The idea of if you're going to start a business, don't wait until nine months after you've started it, because now it's tax season and you hire an accountant and go in in a panic and all your books and records are everywhere. Literally make that appointment as part of one of the appointments when you're starting your business. Take an hour, get some consultation. What should I do? Try to start building that relationship because then you have somebody that you can phone throughout the year and you have everything set up properly. You'll have a system so that it's not so hard. Like don't make things hard hard for yourself. (laughs) Being a business owner is hard. Exactly. I mean, you and I are both business owners and we get it. It's hard and we're tax people and we'll still find it hard. And so it's right of your own. Oh, it's exhausting. Right. And so if you can rally that team early, get some systems in place, you now have that phone a friend option. You've got that there. And then when it comes to tax time, you're good. You're golden. You know exactly what you're handing off. And it's not so hard. And that's actually, I've changed my billing structure and I, I increased it quite a bit, but built into there is phone a friend. I mean, like you have accountant on on demand, right? So it it, it gets people to just call me. You know what I mean? It's like invest in it. It will pay off. It will pay off. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I want to take a few minutes to explain who I am and why I started this podcast. 
I am a tax lawyer, and I practice in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. I fell into the practice of tax law despite having a lifelong hatred of spreadsheets, math, and numbers in general. I feel pretty lucky because my day job allows me to have conversations with some wonderful people who are very knowledgeable in their fields of practice. I thought it might be fun to share some of these conversations with you. I know the tax can be complex, but there are some basic foundational principles and key information that you deserve to understand and to know. I hope that when you finish listening to each episode, you feel like you have learned at least one thing that will be helpful to you in your day-to-day life. And maybe we will even give you a laugh in the meantime. But enough about me. Back to the episode. Well, and don't be afraid to ask what things cost, because I feel like a lot of times people are very uncomfortable to talk about money. And it's just the way I think we were all brought up. But I I actually really appreciate it when I'm on the phone with a new client and they ask me because it's because I've forgotten to say something because usually I'm the one bringing it up. But let's talk about it. Instead of wondering and being afraid every time you phone, how does it work? What are the options? What can you afford right now? Maybe there's something that we can do. Maybe we can offer a one hour consultation versus a full contract. If you don't ask the question, you're never going to know what the options are. So I, I think engage early and ask the curious questions at the front end. And that will save And that's exactly time. why I developed my class, because it basically was the hour consultation that I would do with clients, but it's half the cost. Mm. But also, I yes. think in some ways it's better because if I talk to you about taxes for an hour and you have to take notes, first of all, in about 10 minutes, your eyes are rolling back in your head. Okay, let's just get real. Yes. And you might miss stuff. So when this is an on-demand 50-minute video with slides you can print out, you can pause it as much as you want yes. and you can refer back. And then I offer 50% off my hourly rate for consultation. So for the same regular hourly rate, you get the class. Right. Plus, if you want to talk to me for an hour, you can talk to me. I think it's great. Um, and it's really, and I tell people straight off, it's to get you to be a smart taxpayer and be able to like be organized, ask good questions. It's just to give you the key information. Uh, you know, it's been interesting because I was telling someone, I'm like, oh, it's not selling. And it's like, it's not because I really want to make the money. I want to help people. Like, I really want to help people. Yeah. <laughs> it's not price for me. Well, and we're going to put this information in the show notes because for anybody who's in the U.S. that's listening to this, um, it's this is a great program to be, to be looking into. And there's some people that are doing something similar um, in Canada. So I'll try to post some of their info. Um, so if you're looking at the more Canadian side of things um, to learn, these are amazing opportunities because as you said, Lisa, the price point is way more reasonable. And as a startup entrepreneur, like you do not have scads of money just lying around. So we need to find you something that's reasonably priced and it gives you a little bit of information and then an opportunity to connect with someone. And, and that is huge because in business, it's all about connections and about knowing people and being able to support each other. You can't just go Google search for someone. You need to you need to establish your team based on people that you trust. And that's yeah. so And important. it's interesting because, you know, even if you can't afford an accountant and you're going to do your return, the class will get you set up and teach you how to do records and give you those categories. So at least you be smart about doing it till you can afford that. I also have a, a partnership with yes. a bookkeeper because whether you can afford to have her do your books, she can at least teach you how to use the software and get you set up. 
I, I have a podcast episode on bookkeepers because of that very same reason that even if you don't hire someone to do everything on a monthly basis, you can hire them to right. come in and set you up and tell you what the different columns mean and what you have to put in the different boxes. And I mean, I needed someone to give me a QuickBooks lesson. I was very confused. I'm still kind of confused, but I, every now and then I need someone to come in and give me a refresher. What am I supposed to be looking for? What do I put where? And that way, you know, what's in your books, you should know where your money is going. You cannot farm that out. No, no. And people laugh because I've been doing taxes for so long. I'm like, they're like, oh, you're accountant. I'm like, really? I'm a tax advisor. I'm like, I don't really do accounting. I'm like, I don't really do math. (laughs) 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 I know. I know. And I mean, I hate math. And so people are like, well, you're a tax lawyer. You must do math all the time. And I said, no, no I, I don't, don't do math, math all the time. All. You're, you're doing math. the legal side of no. transactions. <laughs> it, it seems to depend. Like I find lately there's a lot more math on some of the estate administration work that I've been doing. I finished a major spreadsheet. It was like 12 pages the other day. And I was just drained. It was like I'd written a final exam. I was like, that is too much math. No math now for like another week. That was too much. Well, was you brought up something important. <laughs> is if you are dealing with an estate, you absolutely must engage professionals because it is very yes. confusing. There's lots of options. It's very emotional with family members. Yes. Get professional help. Because even for me, like I'll call up um, estate attorneys all the time and be like, okay, so remind me this, you know, like it Am I covering yes. this correctly? Are we doing this? Because there's so many little nuances that can have such a huge impact that, oh my God, that is a very big field that just, there's not enough really good people. So like you need to spend the money to get really good help with. I agree. I agree. Well, this is maybe a good segue then into our last topic. Cause we started talking here about entrepreneurs and, and that sort of idea, but then I I would like to explore a little bit the legal practice and the idea, and I guess this would also apply to accounting Uh practice. Um, Anybody who's moving from sort of being an employee to being a a partner in their professional practice. And and you and I talked a bit before we started recording, because I think there's a lot of similarities between Canada and the U.S. in terms of, of this leap. And it is a leap. It feels like you are jumping from a building to another building and there's no net below you. And as lawyers in particular, nobody teaches us this stuff in law school. No one teaches you how to manage a business. No one teaches you about cash flow or finances. And unless you're a corporate lawyer or a tax lawyer, and even if you are, it's still a leap. So I I would be really curious to get some of your thoughts on how to prepare. You know, it's interesting because I work with a lot of law partners, a lot of law partners. Um, And even um, when I used to work at the big four firms, I was in the personal financial services group and our biggest client was we did all the partner's tax returns Um, because it was Uh, after the Arthur Anderson whole debacle where they had all that fraud and they wanted to make sure it was done. People are like, well, don't the big four partners know how to do their tax returns? And you hit on it. Unless you're an individual (laughs) tax partner, how how does an M&A partner or a salt partner know how to do it? They don't. No. Like the best engagement ever because you got in front of all the partners and you could sell your services. Like it was... Well, sure. But um, it's the same thing with law partners or whatever. But what I realized is they, well, the law firms probably can't legally talk about, you know, the taxes and the, I don't know if they could do that, but there is such a shift in cash flow and taxes. Um, And when you make partner, there is not enough time to really think about it because you're so busy billing and, and creating your work that I really feel like there's a missing piece 
that would be valuable to potential partners a year or two, even three years prior to making that decision where someone comes in and explains to them, here's cash flow, here's, you know, the expenses, here's the taxes, here's how, you know, you're gonna have to make a capital contribution, you're gonna have to pay for health insurance, you're, you're gonna pay estimate, ta- like it's completely, your cash flow is completely different, they give you so much, and then they true it up, or you have to pay state taxes, that mm-hmm. to have that mm-hmm. information so that you can decide if that lifestyle makes sense for you, because I don't think it is for everyone. You know, we see a lot of people leaving big law to do other things and it's hard to get out. So if you think that might not be for you, maybe that's a good time to take two years to figure out what you want to do and pivot. Or if you do think it is for Mm -hmm. you, you have two years or three years to get your finances in order and get yourself psychologically ready for that. Because, I mean, being a yes. law firm looks really tough to me. Like, they all look so stressed <laughs> out to me. There, there, there are days, Lisa. There yeah, are days. I was like, I don't want that. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because I have some favorite law. Like, I have one law firm here. Uh, it's a national law firm. But they have a fiscal year. So they get their K-1s, like, early. Uh, They're always on time. And we get early with do planning. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but I only like it because they get the K-1. Some of them, you know, they give it to you on April 14th. You're like, you know, and some law firms, they give you quarterly estimates so we can calculate based on the actual earning. I mean, they're all very different. But I, I'm putting together a program for that because I just feel like having information to make informed decisions to get you where you want to go and to give you questions to ask really is good for the, the person and the firms. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember when I got the offer and I remember um, sitting down with one of the other partners who was closer in my year who had kind of just come through a couple of years before. And he sat down with me and we, we had some serious discussions about where is the money going? How much do I need to hold in the first couple of years so that I can pay my mortgage mm-hmm. and live? What, you know, what type of structure do I need? And, you know, how much do I need to hold for taxes? What's my anticipated returns? What's my cost for advisors? I mean, prior to that time, I was doing my own returns. I was doing my own stuff. Now, right, level right. of complication. Who am I going to hire? What am I going to do? And I feel very fortunate that I had that experience. And then the next ones that came down the line, we had those same That's conversations fabulous. with them. But had we not had those conversations, I would have walked into that and had no idea. And so instead I had money set aside, like everything was okay. I didn't feel that panic. And I do feel that there isn't a lot of prep that's done. And I think a lot of times it's because once you're in it, it's normal. Like now it's normal to me. I I can move the money around. I know where I'm keeping all my stuff. It doesn't feel stressful anymore. And so you get lulled into that sense of calm. And so then when you bring someone new on, Uh you forget Uh that it's new for them. So a program like what you're creating is so fabulous because if this is something that's part of your life goals and it's not everybody's goals. And like I said, like there are days I wonder why it's my goal. Um, But then there are other days where I'm really glad I've done it. Um, And so if it's part of your goals, why not learn about it? Because there's no other place where you can kind of find that information out and then decide, does this actually align with what I want for my life? And oftentimes I'm seeing that's the time where people choose to either go off on their own or to join a partnership. Well, if you're going off on your own, you're still right, an entrepreneur right. at that point. You still right. got the cash flow issues. Like the same problems are there. Just now you're completely well, alone. So now there's you're definitely developing. things to think about. I mean, you're not making, you know, it's slightly different. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's just so much. And I was just thinking, you know, a lot of the partners I have, most of their net worth is tied up in the firm. 
And so understanding right. on the legal right. side, how to protect your, like, what if something happens to you? Is your family protected? Yeah. Because your entire everything is in that firm. And so making mm-hmm. sure you have estate mm-hmm. documents and other things. And I mean, there's just yes. a lot that if you're going to make this big move, you really need to get educated. So my thing is, though, trying exactly. to figure out, like, do I offer it on my own? Do I offer it through bar associations? Do I, you know, like, I'm trying to really work with um, attorneys to understand different compensation packages, what they're provided, what they're not provided. Um, so it's been a lot of learning. It's been fun for me to kind of talk to lots of attorneys. If anyone's interested in sharing, please reach out to me. Um, <laughs> because I just, I like educating so people can make good decisions. I just, I think it eases Yes. The- it does. It does. And and I always think it's like those choose your own adventure <laughs> books when we were younger. And and I mean, you couldn't choose your adventure if you didn't know what you were getting into. Right. And so I think that's what life is. It's about choosing which adventure you want, but you need to be informed. Otherwise, you're just like blindfold on walking down a hallway and you have no idea. Like take control of your life. That is so important. And and find good people like Lisa that you can phone and that will answer your phone call and have a conversation with you. And I think that is so key. I keep having conversations with people who are saying, well, I don't feel comfortable calling my lawyer or I don't feel comfortable calling my accountant or my advisor. They just tell me not to worry about it. Find a new advisor that is not acceptable. Um, you know, My clients wouldn't accept that from me and I would never do that to my clients. Um, it's so important to have that trusted business relationship so that you can feel comfortable phoning and asking questions. There's no stupid questions. No, and what's interesting is I realized part of the reason I've raised my fees is there's a huge shortage of quality independent accountants here in the U.S. Huge. Mm. Because I am reached out to by financial advisors daily, if not, you know, all the time of, I don't have anyone to refer to. I don't have anyone to refer to. And I just run my business how I'd like to be treated. So like I give the service I would like, but apparently not everyone does that. Not everyone's accountant sends out reminders every quarter that Quarterly payments are due because you know what? Honestly, right. it's not your priority. You're not really thinking about it. You like I said, up people like, oh no, mine doesn't do that. I'm like, really? Like it just never occurred to me not to do that, right? And right. so I have too right. much business. So now I'm like, you want to work with me? This is how much it costs. Um, but yeah. if anyone wants to go into exactly. a good field, it is there is a huge need for good quality accounts, and there is always work. And I find it. So rewarding. People are, I like the individual side because people are so appreciative of my help. The corporate side is like, oh, God, thank God mm-hmm. the return is done. Um, I'm seriously yeah. like, oh, God, <laughs> you know, done. But the I tell you, people pay me big, big payments and they're like, thank you. Thank you. Yes. And yeah. that just, yeah. I love that. Well, I mean, you have to love it, right? Otherwise, why would you keep doing it? And that's the thing. You have to craft that life for yourself that you love. And, and yeah, I guess if, if someone's listening to this and they're in Canada, there's a lot of need for tax lawyers in Canada. Uh, there's always work. It is a rewarding profession and you get to have an insight into oh people's God. lives and be a part of shaping their journey. And that is Long-term so relationship to think that, that someone's owning you. I mean, I've yeah. been on my own this my 19th yeah. year. I mean, I knew people that like I was pregnant or they were single. Then I see them get married. Then they bought their first house and they have kids. And, and I'll tell people, because I joke all the time. I'm like, all these kids are like, oh, my older parents they're like oh my kids moved away I'm like don't worry they all move back once the babies come they all move back yeah. it over and over they come back to mom you know people have to like and, and what I also like too is as an entrepreneur myself I can provide that mentoring support to new entrepreneurs to go look I know it's going to take a year or two to get this going 
Even the IRS allows you to deduct a loss for two years because they realize it takes time to get it going. You need to have cash. Even my business, which is pretty easy to get into and you have repetitive stuff. I didn't make this kind of money when I was starting. No. And to encourage them to be like, no, you can't compare to me. You know, that's reassuring to people. No, absolutely. Well, this was really fun. I really enjoyed this. I I knew I would have fun chatting with you about this. And I'm going to put the information about your programs in the show notes, because I I do think that that will be a huge resource for many of our listeners. And we're going to have to have you on again. You know, I love talking about taxes. Teaching is like my thing. I get totally energized by it. So I want to be one of those people that gets paid to talk and teach. So that's kind of where I'm moving to because tax season sucks. And and we're recording this just at the end of tax (laughs) season. So Lisa is very fresh in her pain. Um, By the time this comes out, you'll have had a couple weeks, you'll be chill, it'll all be good. But we're right on the cusp of it right now. And I'm still smiling. I'm still smiling. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for taking time to come on today. I, I really appreciate this. I've really enjoyed getting to know you over the last little bit, like know you in the LinkedIn way. Um, it's been really fun. And I really appreciate what you're posting. Again, if, if someone's listening to this and you're not following Lisa on LinkedIn, you should be. Um, she is giving very basic, easy to understand information about the U.S. tax system. And it's fascinating. I have learned so much um, about taxation and things to watch out for. And I have lots of clients with cross-border issues. So it's so helpful to get that information. But even if you're not in this profession, if you're just an individual or a business owner in the U.S., follow Lisa, you're going to grab some little pieces and tidbits of knowledge that will help you to, to ask better questions to your advisors. So thank you so oh, much, thank Lisa. You for having me. And, uh, oh, and I look forward to chatting with you again. Well, that is all we have time for today. I hope we gave you some food for thought or at least made you smile. Please see the show notes for any resource material that we reference throughout the episode and also to find out more about today's guest. Thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in reading or learning more, I invite you to subscribe to my blog, The Tax Chick Blog, and to follow me on Instagram under the handle at tax.chick. A huge thank you to my guest today, and also a big thank you to my husband who created the music used in this episode. If you have an idea for a future episode or a burning question you would like to see discussed, please send me an email at thetaxchickpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, then please leave a review and click subscribe to be notified when new episodes are posted. Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. We encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice.